Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Shure compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Shure side on our website. Inshallah, today we're going to be focused on a verse from Surah Nisa. But before I dive into the tafsir itself, let me just give a bit of colour on what we do here. Um, so every week, the idea is that we do a finance-focused tafsir of the Qur'an. And we go through the Qur'an and we don't do every single verse. We do only specific verses which are focused on investment, careers, personal finance, money, um, the sort of topics that we talk about at Islamic Finance Guru. And the idea is that it would rejuvenate our iman, particularly as these are the kind of areas that can also wear out Iman as well. So that's the context. And uh, we typically try and keep it fairly short and try and make it as practical and as real life as possible. So let's dive in. Allah subhanahu wa says, وَلَا تُؤْتُوا السُّفَهَاءَ أَمْوَالَكُمُ الَّتِي جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ قِيَامًا وَرُزُقُوهُمْ فِيهَا وَرُزُقُوهُمْ فِيهَا وَاكْسُوهُمْ وَقُولُوا لَهُمْ قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Don't entrust the incapable among your dependents with your wealth, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a means of support for you. But feed them and clothe them from it, your wealth, and speak to them kindly. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's saying those who are incapable or who are perhaps not you know fully with it mentally who might be somehow weaker in some way shape or form from amongst your dependents then make sure that you don't entrust them with wealth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided you know for you to look after everyone with but use that wealth to feed them and clothe them and speak to them kindly so there's a few different key points that I wanted to draw out from this verse and share those with you as, as I read through it and the tafasir around it 
The first thing is obviously the obvious lesson from this verse is that you should only give your children and your family wealth that is appropriate for them. That means that, you know, if you are the head of a household where one of your children is perhaps, you know, not so very good with their money, um, they might perhaps even be drug addicts or something like that. But even less so than that, just someone who spends without properly being in control of their spending and being fully cognizant of what they're up to, then that's the kind of person that you shouldn't be entrusting with wealth. And that could apply to even your spouse. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, wherever that is the situation, then don't feel obliged to give them that money because that is money that is not appropriate for them. And a wider point around this is that too much wealth can often be very harmful, in particular to younger kids and your children in general, because you know, rare is it that you see the child of, you know, highly successful, very wealthy people also grow up and become quite tough and quite savvy and become a success themselves. It regularly happens, but actually uh, you also often see the kids of successful people become quite, you know, soft and they've had all the luxuries of life given to them. And so as a result, they may not necessarily have gone through the hardship that actually made their parents the successful people that they were. So, you know, too much wealth too early is not necessarily a good thing. And we shouldn't, you know, be giving our kids that kind of wealth and that kind of luxury unnecessarily. The other really interesting thing that I found here was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that you should feed them warzuquhum fiha waqsuhum Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that give them uh, sustenance from it and clothe them but also waqulu lahum qawlan ma'rufa and speak to them kindly now isn't that a really interesting thing when he has bracketed that with the essentials of life he's bracketed that with actually feeding them food and clothing them and then the third thing he said that you should actually speak to them kindly it's that important it's actually the essentials of life and actually you know there's a very crazy example of this where there was a thought experiment well not really a thought experiment there was an actual experiment that took place many many decades ago and of course nowadays it would never be allowed but this experiment was conducted on a whole bunch of babies who were orphans and abandoned and um, what they did was they took away these babies and uh, their thesis the hypothesis was that babies really require the human touch and human love and a human connection and what they would do is they would go in and you had these like 30 or 40 babies and they would feed them at the right times and they would change their nappies at the right times. But then apart from that, the entire time, even when they were changing the nappies or feeding them, they wouldn't make any eye contact with them or speak to them or even look at them. And the rest of the time, if the babies were crying, they would be ignored. And, you know, that was that. And what they found was even though, you know, the absolute core essentials uh, were being looked after for that baby without that human touch, without that smiling face, without that physical connection, a whole bunch of these babies actually died. And then they actually had to abort the experiment early. And of the babies that, you know, then survived, uh, a whole bunch of them had mental difficulties and what have you. So that was obviously quite a horrific experiment that actually took place. But the point that it brings out is that, you know, actually the more valuable thing that we are giving our children, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is pointing this out as well, is that human connection, that speaking to them kindly, that tarbiyah aspect, that love and the conversing with them and that friendship that you develop with your children is actually fundamentally the more important thing. And it is interestingly, you know, put 
alongside your wider responsibilities of feeding them and clothing them and oftentimes you know this is actually the one area that we as parents particularly south asian parents uh, can overlook you know there are parents that don't hug their children or have that much of a physical connection with their children there are parents that you know feel like it was inappropriate to joke or play with their children and then there are other parents and you know perhaps these are more modern parents where they agree with all of that stuff but they're just too busy to spend time with their children and their the offspring or they might be glued to their phone for example when they should be spending time with their children so all of these things are things that we should all you know really practically think about uh, and obviously i say this to myself first as a father of two children that uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, you know enjoining us to uh, speak to them kindly and you know speak to them kindly and be that loving parent to your children and to those who you are responsible for then the other real point i wanted to make is is a wider point is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you the fuqaha and the mufassirin have interpreted the sufaha here do not entrust the incapable the mufassirin have, have interpreted that to be your children or your family or your orphans or the people that you look after but if you just read it at face value this verse it's saying do not trust incapable people uh, your wealth Uh, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a means of sport for you. So wealth is something that is to be protected in Islam, right? It is something not to be frittered away. You know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, uh, in a hadith, it is said that, you know, if you die and you are protecting your wealth, then you die as a shaheed. And, um, and this is a hadith of uh, Bukhari and Muslim. So why is someone who is you know dying whilst protecting his property a shaheed it's because this wealth is a trust given to you it's a means of progressing through your life just like your limbs are just like your body is that just like your health and you know everything around you is a means for you to progress through life so too is the wealth that you have been given and the assets that you have been given so to protect those and be very responsible with them is actually a core core part of our religion and so the wider point here is you know when we are spending from and I, this make i mean i never thought of it in this way but when you have an investment portfolio that's sensible that's diversified that you know you've done the, your due diligence on then actually that could be seen as a form of ibadah because you're you know properly looking after your wealth and when you, by the same token you are deploying charity money and you're doing that sensibly and carefully and thinking about where you're giving that money then again that can be seen as uh, fulfilling the teachings of this verse on the other hand if we are genuinely you have to think if we are entrusting incapable people with our wealth then that is obviously not a good thing for us but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying very specifically don't do that he is saying do not trust incapable people with your wealth it's a separate thing to say you know don't entrust untrustworthy people with your wealth that's a separate matter but he's saying you know from a sheer competence perspective don't give it to people who are incapable and so this is something we should very very carefully think about when it comes to our charity and also our investments as well and then really the final thing that i wanted to draw all of this together with as a conclusion is this verse is like many verses you know combining teachings around how we behave vis-a-vis our own personal relationship to money but also how that sits within the family context 
And then also more broadly, you know, the teachings that this verse gives um, have an implication on how we and our wealth fits into the wider society. And those are the three circles, the three concentric circles that Islam and the Sharia places around the individual, where, you know, you start with the individual, the core, then you go out to their immediate responsibles, um, their family and offspring. And then after that, you go out to the wider implications and the wider obligations you have to society. And this is a verse that we can learn from that informs each of those three kinds of relationships. So I'll wrap up with that. And uh, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he guides us to be amongst those who are from those who are the best kind of spouses and parents to our dependents. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us from amongst those who deploy our wealth in as a halal and also efficient and carefully thought out way as possible. If you've got any thoughts, questions, comments, please fire away. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.